0: Deb, where's Deb Masters? Mm-hmm. Just hang on a <laughs> this is uh, Deb Masters. I asked her just to share a testimony before we get into the word, so go right ahead. <laughs>
1: Just great seeing everyone's faces she, rather than their heads. She told me earlier she was going <laughs> to sing. <laughs> Psalm fifty-three says, oh, Psalm 50, oh, oh. Psalm fifty-three says that he, being Jesus, was a man of sorrow. He took up our infirmities. And he carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Amen. Yeah. Need I say no more, but anyway. For 10 years, I carried a deep sorrow in my heart. I just couldn't shake it. For some reason, until recently, I'd not fully grasped the full extent of what Jesus had done for me on the cross. I knew he bore my sin on the cross so I could have forgiveness. I knew that by his wounds I've been healed. But I didn't know that on the cross Jesus also carried my sorrows so that I could have peace. So by, so by, pro, so by proactively confessing my sins and giving them to Jesus, I know that he bore them on the cross so that I could have forgiveness. So I actually had to confess those sins. Likewise, by actually giving Jesus my sorrow, he was able to carry that on the, on the cross for me as well and instead of me. So my Jesus, a man of sorrows, took my sorrow on the cross because I gave it to him. His punishment on the cross has given me peace and that burden of sorrow has been taken from me. And that for, uh, for that, I'm grateful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh. Oh. Thanks, Deb. I appreciate you uh, sharing that, the courage. She was saying the other day that when she actually gave that to Jesus, she literally felt the weight of sorrow left yeah. and was free from that. It's wonderful how awesome God is. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 1 Kings, chapter 18. I've been talking in, in the bigger context that we're all God's ministers, his army to see his kingdom advance wonderful thing about that is that we don't have to do it on our own. And so uh, we ask his spirit to speak to us, to lead us. Lord, thank you for your presence with us today. Thank you that as we worship, we can come boldly to your throne of grace. Lord, as we stand with our arms high and our heart abandoned to you, It's a place of security, a place of healing, but also a place of the weights being removed. Holy Spirit, would you just do what only you can do? Speak to us this morning. Open up the word to every single one. We realize that a gathering like this, there's people with different uh, situations and different needs and different backgrounds But we recognize that irregardless of that, you're bigger. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just read a number of scriptures. I was jokingly said to uh, Dylan this morning that I'm making up for not having many last week. We're going to have a whole lot. In fact, Tony said he was going to talk to the leadership team because I had backslidden and I wasn't. Wasn't using enough scriptures. Uh, so I'm gonna make no. I'm gonna make up for that. One Kings chapter eighteen. I told uh, the overhead people we're gonna start with twenty five, but like I often do, we're gonna start with twenty four. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I'll call on the name of the Lord, and the Lord who answers with fire, He is God. So all the people answered and said it was well spoken. This is the background is that there had been a drought for three years. Elijah had been hidden in the brook of Cherith uh, where God provided for him. Then God sent him to the widow of Zarephath. And he comes back and he tells the king, get all the prophets together. Most of you will have known this story, but it just hit me again this week. Verse 25. Now Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first. For you are many and call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. So they took the bull which they had given them and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice. No one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry cry louder aloud. For he's a god, either he's meditating, or busy, or on a journey, or perhaps he's sleeping and needs to be awakened. (laughs) Doesn't like uh, putting the... uh, angering them. (laughs) So they cried aloud and cut themselves as was their custom with knives and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Talk about dedication. These guys have gone virtually all day. Yelling, dancing, man, they're, they're pretty committed. Uh, and when midday was past they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered, no one paid attention, and Elijah called to all, said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And then with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two seers of seeds. I have no idea how big that is, but it was a big trench. And then he put wood in order, cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and said, Fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Now understand, there's been a drought for three years. Water is precious. He pours it on there. And then he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. He said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Think about that. Here's Elijah with 450 prophets of Baal. He feels like he's by himself. The king's against him. The queen has already said she's going to kill him. She's killed all the other prophets. He stands there, and instead of making it easy, he actually makes it harder. How many of you feel like your situation is too hard? The things that you've prayed for are too hard. The things that you've believed for The circumstance around, the condition of the world, all of it's too hard. Elijah didn't say it's too hard, he actually made it harder. Think about that for a second. Verse 36 And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you're God in Israel and I am your servant and I have done these things at your word. Key that he didn't just decide to do something. He did it at God's word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering the wood, the stones, the dust licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, let me read that again because you could go through that real quick. The fire of God fell and consumed the burnt offering. You'd expect that. And the wood, and the rocks, and the dust, and all the water. And all the people saw it. They fell on their face and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. A couple of the scriptures, that's Old Testament. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. When Jesus went about all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing, all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed and epileptics, and he healed them. Chapter 10. Verse 1. And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Acts chapter 4. Now we're into the, uh, the church age, the kingdom age. Verse uh, 17 is that, that the leaders uh, severely threatened them and said, speak no, to no one in the name of Jesus. And their response, I read this uh, Last week, verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their hearts and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. One more uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 7. I chose this one because it has this uh, word. But the manifestations of the Spirit, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Manifestation means to make seen or known, to manifest. So the manifestation of the Spirit, the Spirit being seen or known, is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. In case you haven't figured out, all these things are by the Spirit. The writer's making sure that we get that. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing each one individually as he wills. I wanna pull something from all those and say it as simply as I can. When God chooses to make himself known, he does it supernaturally. When God chooses to reveal himself, he does it supernaturally. That's what happened. And the response of the people wasn't, Elijah's a great prophet. They said, The Lord is God. Because it was obvious that it wasn't Elijah slipping fire while nobody was looking under the altar. It was pretty soggy by that point. When God wants to show himself, manifest himself, he uses the supernatural. Let me say this, and you have to hear my heart here, because often in preaching you kind of swing the pendulum to the side to make a point, which doesn't mean that, that everything else is wrong. But let me say this. It's not us by being better people than the world that manifests Him. Elijah wasn't a better, more professional prophet than the prophets of Baal. He didn't yell louder than they yelled. He said to them, You yell, you call your God, and He's just going to show you how great He was, how much better He was in the natural, that He just yelled louder. No. There's something that happens when the church says we can outworld the world. We can do excellence better than they do excellence. What happens is that we lose something of the supernatural. Acts 4, the disciples didn't pray that God would grant them better character than the religious leaders. Oh Lord, give us boldness and give us good character so that we can represent Jesus. You're saying, but shouldn't we have good character? Yes. But I want to shake you up with this. We aren't light to the world because we behave perfectly. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. What happens? I just be better than everyone else. My good works is I'm more loving and more giving and people see my good works and they say, oh, you're wonderful. Steve is, is a great guy and we say, man, what a man of character and integrity. He's wonderful, man. Look how great he is. He's a, he's a good Christian. But Johan... Oh, he's even better. He's even better. No. Maybe he did something wrong. And we say, but how often is that the case for you? I get excited and Pippa's letting me know. See, the problem is, if we remove the supernatural, what we end up with is simply that the pressure falls on us to show Jesus. When God shows himself, he does it supernaturally. You remove that, and what do you have? You better be the best example of Jesus in the world. How many of you have ever felt the pressure? You know, they actually taught me when I was in university that in the U.S., they teach pastors. In virtually every seminary in the U.S., don't ever have people to your home because they'll see what you're really like. You have to pretend that you're better than you are So that people will respect you. Why? Because I have to represent Jesus. Now there is something of truth in that. We represent Jesus, but it's not just because we're better people. It's because we carry the presence of God with us. The supernatural can flow through us. And God can be seen. And people can glorify God. They can see your good works and glorify God. Not glorify you, because you're a better person, but they can glorify him. When God wants to manifest himself, he uses the supernatural. We're the light, because we carry the supernatural presence of God, and partner with him to release that supernatural And by supernatural, I mean predominantly healing. That's what the Bible says. Stretch out your hand and heal. Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom and healed those who were sick. He gave his disciples authority to what? Preach the the good news and to heal those who were sick. In this day and age as God, I believe, is wanting to show himself great again to the world. He's looking for a people that will partner with him, that he can manifest himself and do the supernatural. That's what being part of that army is about. It's about partnering with him Let me say this, there's some conditions for that to happen. Now if you've been paying attention for the last few months, we've covered them all. But let me remind you, first and foremost, we've got to believe that God is supernatural and still does the supernatural today. If you come from a different background, or a different theology like I did, I came from a cessationist background that said, The supernatural had ceased if you've come from that background you just need to choose to align yourself with the Word of God very simple I believe God over I believe what I see in the natural got to believe that God's still at work today you know what happens then no matter the circumstance it's not bigger than God If your focus is on you, the circumstances can overwhelm you pretty quick. If you have to do it, if I have to do it, I get overwhelmed pretty quick. But when I realize that the heavens and the heavens, the highest heavens can't contain him, pour water on it, pour more, it doesn't matter. It's hopeless. How can we make it more hopeless? <laughs> Kerosene. <Kerosine. No. laughs> <laughs> Got to believe that he is supernatural. And that's what the word says. Second condition is Jesus first, kingdom first. Now those of you who are Really sharp, realize I just had two firsts, and you can't have two firsts, except that the Bible does. In uh, Colossians 1:18, at the end, it says uh, that in all things he may have the preeminence, talking about Jesus. But in Matthew six thirty three, at the end, said, "But seek first the kingdom of God." So is it Jesus first or kingdom first? Jesus having preeminence or kingdom having preeminence? Yes. Because <laughs> you can't separate the two. He is the king of his kingdom. When he's first, his kingdom is first. What does, what does that mean? It means a number of things, but one is that only he gets the glory. There's a subtle thing that happened as God began to pour out a renewed uh, anointing of his spirit and supernatural, that people began to identify that with individuals rather than with Jesus. Russ Doty Ministries. Huh? International. International. And why do we do that? Because somehow, whatever God's doing, we get just a little bit of the glory. I don't want to take it all. That would be greedy. But I do want a little bit of it. And something has happened. But Isaiah 42, verse 8 He says this, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another. God doesn't share his glory. He doesn't take 90% of it and give us 10. He doesn't take 95 and give us five. He doesn't take 98 and give us two. He doesn't take 99 and give us one. He doesn't take 99.9 and give us .1. He gets glorified. And if we're going to be an army that partners with him, That's got to be set in our heart. Jesus first, kingdom first, he gets glory. It's not about my name. It's not about our church. It's not about our movement. It's not about anything else but exalting him. I hope that's your heart. But see, when he gets all the glory, then it's only his kingdom that's advanced. It was uh, said in one of the prophetic words this morning that Jesus is the answer. Let me tell you this, a better church is not the answer for our community. Jesus is. A more Christ-like people is not the answer for our community. Jesus is, though he'll work through a more Christ-like people, but as soon as we think we're the answer, as soon as we think our concern for people, our love for people, our model of Jesus, if people would only be like us, if I could only be like Steve, no, if I could only be like Jesus, I'm pushing the point. So we've got to believe that he's supernatural and still does the supernatural. We've got to commit that Jesus is first and his kingdom is first. And then thirdly, we've got to remain in a place of intimacy with him so we can hear his voice. Elijah said, I've done all these things at your word. A place of intimacy. There's a whole lot that we could talk about there. I'm gonna run out of time and I'm not gonna get to it. But one of the keys is that intimacy and hearing God's voice requires not just our salvation but our spending time with him. It requires something of holiness. Why? Because sin makes a separation between us and God. When when you're living in sin, when you're walking in sin, when you've got a foot in the kingdom and a foot in the world, you don't lose your salvation, but you lose your intimacy with God and your ability to hear his voice. When you give yourself to the things of the world, you lose that intimacy and your ability to hear his voice. So, what does that mean for today? Take a deep breath. I get intense. <laughs> Pippa's just laying down to sleep. <laughs> when our kids were young, this is an aside. But when our kids were young, I used to tell them stories when they went to bed, and uh, on cassette tapes back in those days. And. Uh, that's what we had but I would tell them stories but I went away for a while and so I made a cassette tape and I told them some stories on the cassette tape so they could listen to when I was away when they went to bed and it was about 15 minutes but it was an old uh, preaching tape an an old sermon and so it went through the the part where I was telling them the story and then after a short break it reverted back if you left it on to my sermon and uh, Mary came in to shut the tape off after the story. And my son, Matt, said, Don't turn it off. This is the part that puts us to sleep. (laughs) So it obviously works on Pippa. Thanks for jumping up, Pippa. Their response was God grant us boldness by stretching out your hand to heal. So we ask him to stretch out his hand to heal. first in us, so he can do it through us. Regardless of the what's happened in the past, whether you've been prayed for, whether you've been told it's hopeless. All we can do is ask him to stretch out his hand to heal. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand. Just because I don't want you falling asleep here. No. I'm going to invite those needing healing in a moment to come forward. Including those who have been carrying sorrow. And all we're gonna do is have some teams gather around you and pray. And do what? Ask God to show himself. Because when he shows himself, it's supernatural. If you're needing healing or a touch from God, I'm gonna invite you to just come to the front right now. There's gonna be some some teams that will come and pray in a moment, but I just want you to get here and then I wanna talk to you briefly and then I wanna talk to some teams. You're saying, what teams? You're the team, guys. (laughs) But you guys wait, you'll get your part. If you need that touch, come just stand across the front, all the way. Come all the way into the front here. Spread out quite a bit so there's some room between you. Now in a few moments, I'm gonna ask some teams to come and pray. If you who are being prayed for, if you experience something, I'm going to ask you if you'd raise your hand when you experience that, whether it's a change in your condition, if it's a sickness or whether it's a sense of a, uh, a physical presence of God, sometimes people just feel heat or, or something of electricity or something, if you feel those, I'm going to ask you just to, to raise your hand, And so the team who's praying for you knows something's happening and they can ask you what it is, okay? Is is, is that clear? You guys all got that? Great. Now, for the teams that are gonna come and pray, which is anybody who'd like to to come and join and pray, we're gonna pray in team. So we're gonna, uh, over each of these, I want two or three people to come and pray, okay? Let me say this. Do not come and pray for someone on your own. You can come and join with someone Okay, but if you don't have a team, then ask someone else to come and join you. Why? Because God's pattern is team. And so we want to walk in that paddle, that pattern paddle. (laughs) Can I say this to the teams that come to pray? It's not a time for counseling or for teaching. It's a time for praying. Okay? Sometimes when we start praying, we slide into trying to correct people or or give counsel or tell them what they're doing wrong. We don't need any of that. If as you're praying, God gives you a word of knowledge, which is supernatural, share it. But I'm gonna ask you if He gives you something prophetic, hang on to it till later. Okay? Because what we want to see, we just want to give Jesus an opportunity. To make himself known. Okay? So if you're here for prayer, if you guys, just, just let me make sure. Put, put your hand up if you're here for prayer so we can, if this group, if you would just step forward a little bit and you guys come a little bit so the people you out of the aisle, if you would just step forward a little bit as well. Raph, you're, you're here for prayer. Yep. Okay. Louise, just move forward a little bit. Okay. Now I'm going to invite some people to come and pray. We're an army, it could be all of us. It's not how holy you are, it's not whether you've had a wonderful week, it's simply will you come and ask Jesus. Two or three with each person. So it's gonna take almost all of us. So uh, don't hesitate. Gather around those who who are gonna receive prayer. Okay, we need some more up here. How are we over here? Are we? Are you guys, guys, okay, you're praying there. Great. Now you're not, the rest of you who are here, you're not up here praying, but that didn't get you off the hook. You're still part of the army. And you can still pray. Please don't get passive. Passivity is one of the, the ploys of the devil when he recognizes that there's an army empowered by the Spirit of God that is advancing his kingdom. How does he fight against that? He has no uh, power to fight against that. He tries to get us distracted at other things or passive so we don't move with the authority that God gives us. So I'm gonna ask you all to to join with us and pray as well. And you guys just, go ahead, begin to pray. We We need a couple more over here. Anyone come and join us over here. Okay, if we need more, put a hand up. Come. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just pray as Elijah did that you would make yourself known. That you would show yourself great. We recognize that the heavens and the highest heavens can't contain you. Thank you.